Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is fiddler Sophie Enlow. We recorded this at her house in Portland when I was home for Christmas. She chose a bunch of bonkers tunes that I fully intend on actually learning someday. <laughs> Especially uh, Sift the Meal and Save the Brand. That's a really pretty tune. Uh, we play it towards the end, so stick around at least until that tune, if not for the entire episode. Also, we play Bildem Cabbage Down for this week's bonus track, which I usually dismiss as an entry-level tune, but we play Earl Johnson's version, and it's super fun. Probably the best recording we made. If you want to hear that, stick around after the interview for instructions on how to get access to the bonus track blog and MP3 downloads. All right, let's get it started. Sophie Enlow, everybody. Enjoy.
that's such a haunting, interesting tune. My, yeah. My brain is just like very, very engaged. <laughs> uh, Sophie Emlo, thanks yes, for being on me. Get Up in the Cool. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm just a little bit, just a little bit mesmerized by that tune. Um, yeah. How long have you been playing? You said you've been recently getting into Melvin Wine tunes. Um, no, I think it's, it's been like an obsession for a, for a long time. Or, yeah. Yeah. He's just a favorite. He's been a favorite since yeah. I heard him, which was a while ago. He's been sort of mostly off my radar. Uh, but as, as I was telling you, I recorded Carl Barron, who was like his, uh, his banjo player for a really long time. And, uh, he talked a lot about him, how like he was sort of a mentor for him and, uh, started getting me it was confirmation bias you know i started seeing his name everywhere and people were talking about him i was like oh man i should check this guy out um he got somehow buried under you know tommy gerald and clyde davenport for me yeah speaking of which that a part is that just me or does it sound like five miles from town like the b part i don't know which one you could say Oh no, that's I'm thinking of Rats Gone to Rest. That's yeah, so it does sound that. like Rats Gone to Rest, yes. Yeah. Is that a Clyde tune? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know that tune with the pentatonic melody? Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> In G. Oh my goodness. Uh not that this has anything to do with it, but thanks for giving me whiskey right before I Oh <laughs> interviewed so, yeah, you. you're welcome, slash sorry. <laughs> I tried to just make it a small amount. Yeah, this is very, this is perfect. Uh, just relaxed enough. Um, would you tell me and us how you got into playing music in general? And then mm-hmm. maybe that's the same story as how you got into playing old time music? Or maybe there's a journey there. What happened? Um, I'll try and make it shortish. Uh, so I started taking like classical music lessons when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I started learning piano when I was six. Did you do like Suzuki and stuff? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, so Suzuki piano. And then I begged my mom to play the violin for two years too. And she was like, you can't play two instruments. And I was like, yes, I will play two <laughs> instruments. And finally she gave in. It was because Suzuki is like, she had to practice with me. And it was a lot of work for her. Is that, ti- is that typical? Yeah. Suzuki, the parent has to? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Just because the parent has to be able to, like, when the kid's practicing at home, just be like, you're doing it wrong? Well... <laughs> or something? Why is It's that? a little more positive than that, but yeah. It's cause, <laughs> well, it's because Suzuki, like, you're supposed to start young, and, and when you're that young... And I teach Suzuki violin, so... Yeah. Um, I saw a book over there. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's hard for kids who are that young to, like, A, like, know what they should be practicing and right, how, right. and also to, like, have the self-discipline to do it. So yeah. it helps having a parent just guide you. Um, yeah, so, but she gave in and, and, um, so I played both piano and violin and got more into violin. So then like got very into classical violin in high school and was like practicing all the time and going to like music camp. And then it just kind of like got to be a bit too much. Um, and I just like, wasn't having fun anymore. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm in a youth orchestra and it was like all this pressure and I was getting super competitive with it. Right. Cause those are kind of set up very competitively, aren't they? I've never been in one, yeah. but aren't there like, if you're in, if you're like first chair violin, someone can like try to dethrone you. Oh yeah. You have to. Well, in a lot of orchestras, they have to like youth orchestras. Yes. Like you're required to try and like beat the person ahead of you. And it's, you know, it's, I guess to prepare 
kids for like a music career, which is really right. competitive, but um, right. I just kind of didn't have the stamina. And so I, yeah, like, <laughs> that's stressful. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was really sad because I, I had just been like a musician, like my whole entire yeah. life ever since I started playing. And then I was like, but wait, I hate music now. Like, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's going on? And then like right around that same time, I had this friend who um, her dad was friends with, I don't know if you know, Michael is Mario. No. Um, he's, he's a fiddler who used to live in town and, um, and he had a band of like scrappy punk types who would play at this like scrappy hippie cafe, yeah. old time music every okay. week. And so, and so my friend, um, on my 16th birthday, like took me to here. She's like, Kid, do you want to go hear like my dad's friend's band? And I was like, okay. <laughs> sounds really cool. Yeah. And then they were playing old time music and I was like, well, that's like that sounds so cool and it's like they're having so much fun yeah and um and i feel like i could do that and i had just seen a brother where art thou yeah <laughs> and so help. then i like tried to talk to the band about a brother where art thou and they were like yeah whatever we know <laughs> um but in a really nice way and then and then so i like and i talked to michael into giving me fiddle lessons yeah and then got super into it and like went around to different fiddlers in portland and asked Wait, them how for old lessons. were you at this point i was like 16 17 okay cool yeah and at my high school, you could do, like, you, everyone had to do, like, a senior dissertation. And so yeah. I, I did mine. I was like, this is a great opportunity to, like, learn some fiddle tunes. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I took a bunch of lessons with Sammy Lynn from Foghorn and um, Dave Mount, who's a great local fiddler, and Maggie Lynn, who's a great local fiddler, and just kind of dived yeah. in. And, and that, was, that was it. What was your first tune that you learned? I feel like it was... I don't remember the first exactly, but I think one of the first ones that Michael taught me was Gribble Lusk and York's Apple Blossom. So Gribble Lusk and York being the artist. Yes. They were Apple a, Blossom. a trio band. Yeah. Apple Blossom being the tune. Yeah. Yeah. This just sounded like a mess of hilarious syllables. Yes. <laughs> you, if you have not listened to Gribble Lusk and York, you must go and do it immediately. Uh, They're I, amazing. I will. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cribalesque in York. Yes. Good. And I remember the first three old time CDs that Michael lent me were um, Fuzzy Mountain String Band, Raina Gellert, Ways of the World, yeah. and Tommy Jarrell, Picking on Tommy's Porch. And I listened to them all, and like, you know, like my classically trained self, I was like, uh, I like the Raina Gellert one. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah, this yeah, Tommy yeah. Jarrell guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a little scratchy. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like six months later, I couldn't yeah. get enough of him. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> and I, so I went to high school with Gabrielle, who you yes. just interviewed. Yeah. Um, and she was also friends with this mutual friend and was maybe even present at that fateful 16th birthday. Hearing. Okay. And so we like all got into old time music together and had a little band of high schoolers. Yeah. That's fun. That's great. So yeah, Gabrielle was telling me that like Foghorn is sort of responsible for the old time scene in Portland. And I was wondering if you could corroborate that. To what extent is that true? Because usually most old time scenes that I've, that I've seen in different cities have been a, a mix, a very, very diverse genera generationally. You know, there's some very older players who've been doing it for a long time than a lot of younger players. I feel like if Foghorn was like responsible for the Portland scene, then what is the like age makeup of like, or to what extent is that true? Um, I don't think it's true that they're responsible for it, but I think it's true that they had a really big impact on yeah, it. Yeah. Um, really big impact. Yeah. 
Um, so when I was first getting into the music, they were um, sort of the original five-piece Foghorn band was yeah. kind of at the height of their Portland glory. I guess I don't want to say the height because they're still amazing, but like, yeah. but they were really big in the scene and they were playing every Sunday night at the moon and yeah. we would all go. I would sneak into the moon even though I was only 17. The moon sixpence, sorry. And, um, and yeah, and, and their musicianship like just had a really big impact yeah. on all the people who were learning and all the people who had been around and, and they kind of had more of like a widespread appeal too. Yes. So I feel like they maybe took it from like this very like geeky, very small thing and kind of like got more Portlanders interested. Yeah. But um, there was a there was a scene, a pretty happening scene before them too. I think I wasn't a part of it yet, but um, I don't know if Gabrielle talked to you about Bill Martin. A little bit, yeah. So he was an older guy. I think now he would probably be in his 70s if he was still around. Um, and he, I think, if there's anyone who's responsible for the Portland old-time scene, it's him. Okay. He um, actually played in that government-issue orchestra is that band that we all went to see on my birthday. Yeah. Um, he was playing the cello like a bass. And he looked like um, a jolly Santa Claus wearing overalls. He was just, and he was this amazing person. He he was a square dance caller and um, would call monthly dances with Foghorn playing. Yeah. Um, and he got a bunch of Portlanders into calling dances as well. So yeah. he kind of he got the the square dance scene going. I think long before I was I had ever heard of old time music. Um, yeah, and there were there are and were and are um, some older folks, older like older than me, older than yes. Foghorn, yeah. um, who who were playing tunes in Portland. Who I think some of them were like mentors to Foghorn. Yeah. Um, there's there's a, a good friend now, Dave Mount, and his wife Martha Thompson. Dave is a fiddler, and Martha plays um, guitar and banjo. Um, who were kind of part of that maybe earlier yeah. guard and um, like mentored a lot of us younger people too. So I think there is like um, when Foghorn came along, there was kind of a big bump in like the younger people who yeah. were excited about old time. Um, but uh, it is like a multi-generational scene too. Cool. Yeah. I want to ask you more about the Portland old time gathering. But let's play another tune first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to tune before we play another tune. Yeah, me too. Bonaparte's Retreat. Bonaparte's Retreat? Yeah. Yeah. Not the... What is the normal one that people play? Who is that? Um, I don't think there is just one. Oh, okay. Uh, and I actually don't know who... I think there's like hundreds of them. Right. And I'm not sure who plays them. I only know about this one. I feel like everyone wrote a Bonaparte tune. Some sort of... Yeah, or this is this is just one of those tunes that like everyone had a version, or like many people had a version. I yeah. feel like, yeah. But this is the Esker Hutchins one, and it's by far the best. Esker Hutchins. Esker Hutchins. By far the best. That's what I think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Bye. 
That is a good one. That is a good Bonaparte's retreat. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Esker Hutchins. What else does he? What else does he do? Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, he's got a great leather britches and a really great uh, Billy in the Low Ground and C. Um, he does a Ricketts hornpipe. Can't remember what else. And um, a lot of really great banjo tunes okay. as well. So that um, Field Recorders collective yeah, album he's on I was there. telling you about. Yeah, it's I think it's like half fiddle, half banjo. Cool. And it's there's some really good, really good stuff. His playing, his style is, it's, you could tell it's like very round peak of yeah. that area, but it's, he's definitely got his own thing and his own kind of interesting bowing yeah. interpretation of things. So yeah, yeah, it's good. I especially like the part that was, it's just, there's a certain poppy quality to that. Like, um, it's got a little bit of swagger. It's a dun, 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 ba da 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 dun, 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 dun. Like that rhythm is like, <laughs> yeah. it's really, I think, it's different. Yeah. One can bring out that poppy element of it if one so desires. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure he himself right. would have thought of it that way, but maybe. I yeah. mean, maybe it was the pop of the time. Right. And location. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Esker. Yeah. It's a good name. That's a good old time fiddler name. Yes. Yeah. Not as good as Manko Sneed, but still good. Manko, Manko Sneed? Manko. Manko? Manko Sneed, yes. I don't know that one either. I need to also do my homework. Uh, yeah, Goodness. your homework on cool fiddler names. Yeah. Hiram Stamper is hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, why aren't there, like, why aren't there more women field, like, field recordings of women playing fiddle? I mean, women were playing fiddle all the time, right? I don't know. Were they? I just always assumed like they Maybe they're just being worked to death all the time. That's kind of what I... I mean, I don't know. That's sort of like a stereotypical thing to assume. But yeah. Like, I mean, where I was that? Where too. was it because the women didn't have time to play? Or was it right. because like people were less interested in hearing them play and yeah. recording? I don't know. I mean, I know I know of a few, but like yeah. know, just a small little handful. I only really know of like Sarah Armstrong. You ever, you ever play her tunes? No. You know Sarah Armstrong's tune? That's, that's it, it's that's usually Sarah called, Armstrong. I mean, she called it old real, but her her tune, you've probably heard it. It goes like this. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like that a tune. yeah. She's she's yeah. from um, like outside of Derry, Pennsylvania, or was from outside there. So like near Pittsburgh. Okay. And she was recorded in like the forties. And um, it, in the book Hill Country Tunes, it was all like Pensatucky tunes, all like um, rural Pennsylvania music. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Apparently, like my friend, he actually read the book. I haven't read the book. I've just read a few of the transcriptions. But he said that everyone thought that she was a witch because she was a strong, independent woman who played the fiddle. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, sounds witchy to me. <laughs> um, cool. I'll have yeah. to check her out. Actually, I know that tune because I have a little, I have some kid um, violin slash fiddle students who went to a festival. Um, they went to the Festival of American Fiddle Tunes in Port Townsend yeah. and came back playing that tune. They were like, we learned Sarah Armstrong's tune. Let us play it for you. So you know that 
it's being passed on yeah to the younger generation i'm glad it's being passed on with that name too yeah yeah that's good yeah i don't know i mean there's violet hensley who i don't know very much about um but i i think she's maybe still around um oh i'm trying to think of it the name of another woman who's come out to fiddle tunes and she's super getting up there now Mm. Her name will come to me later, but I have a friend who's gone out to visit her. Yeah. Um, she lives in the Midwest somewhere, and it was great. Um, Effie Pearson? That's me? I don't know. There's not many of them. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. It's weird. It's weird that there's not more. So I wanted to ask you about Portland Old Time Gathering. Have you, did you start going, how, I don't know, how, how long has it been going on now? A long time. I'm not sure exactly how long. I don't know if it's like gotten up on 20 years yet. Who but started it's probably it getting now? close. So this guy, I was telling you about Michael as Mario. Yeah. Who was like in that, the first old time band I ever heard, my first old time teacher. Um, Michael, well, it started as like a party he had in his basement. Yeah. Um, in the middle of winter. Uh because Portland winters are depressing. And um, he started as a halfway to Weezer party, like Weezer's that um, old time, well, fiddle festival in Idaho in June. So halfway to Weezer party in Michael's basement. And then it just kind of like gradually, I I guess, got bigger to the point where it no longer fit in the various small spaces. And they, they started having it at this hall called the Norse Hall. And then a whole committee of people, including Bill Martin, who's also telling you about um, started helping him organize it. Yeah. Um, and then it just grew, like it grew and grew and grew and grew and it outgrew the hall. Um, they had to find a new space and as it kept growing, I think there was also like a need for it to become kind of more official. So then, uh, people started Bubbaville. Yes. Named after Bill, whose nickname was Bubba. Okay. Um, it's all coming together. Yes. And, and (laughs) sort of got themselves like nonprofit status to, to like okay. make sure they were running it the right way. Um, and then Bill, so Bill passed away from cancer a few years ago. And so then it kind of became even more important to like, yeah, make sure that his legacy was going to keep going and this event was going to keep going. So yeah, it's like come a long way. It's massive now. And there's like hundreds of performers and, um, people come from all over. It's super fun. You should all come. Um, Wednesday to Sunday, square dances, concerts, workshops, etc. Lots of free stuff. So when it it started off, and it's still this is a an, an ethic, but um, it's it's basically a volunteer run festival. Yeah, yeah. And um, performers like historically have not been paid, and I think maybe now folks who are coming from far away get like a small travel stipend right but it's been like important to the organizers to keep it volunteer run and keep it really cheap yes so that um it's accessible yeah exactly yeah. so um there's like the saturday of the old time gathering it's um there's like free events all day long and then the only two events that cost money are a concert friday night and then a square dance saturday night and those are pretty cheap too yeah. Oh, that's and a good ethic to have. It's a good ethic to have. And it's been also like mostly West Coast. Yeah. Um, old time performers. Partly because that's easier when you 
or yes. not paying <laughs> anyone, yes. but also because, you know, just to like, to really make it a community event and like celebrating our community and, and like playing music for each other. Um, and then recently as it's gotten bigger, we've got been able to get folks from farther away too, to yeah. just like maintain the connection with the outer old time world as well. Well, whenever, whenever equipment job or somehow find a way to come out midway through January. Yeah. Well, I'm it's a long weekend. So it's always Martin Luther King weekend. Yeah. Um, I forget the dates this year, but you all can look that up. Martin yeah. Luther King weekend. So yes, I hope you'll come. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Christmas time in the morning. Christmas time in the morning. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. That's that's a weirdly a weirdly weirdly worded title. Christmas time. It's Christmas time in the morning. It's that makes me love this tune even more. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a weird tune with yeah. a with a weird name. I just love it. Yeah. I'm gonna let you do the first pass just so I remember how it goes. Okay. Thank you. 
Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, people. Yeah. Christmas time in the morning. <laughs> Who's that by? What is that one? Um, it is from Stephen B. Tucker. Same guy who brought us Sail Away Ladies. Oh, okay. Um, and I first heard this tune because my friend Colin Harris was playing it. Do you know Colin? He's lives in Minnesota now. And if you're ever there, look him up. Okay. He's a beautiful fiddler. And I heard him playing this tune. You mean he's, he fiddles beautifully he fiddles or he's beautifully. physically beautiful? Well, he fiddles beautifully and you'll see the, you know, if you ever right. meet him. Um, anyway, I heard him playing it in the middle of the night at a festival one time. And I was yeah. like, oh, give me that. <laughs> and I found it and learned it. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. Thanks, Stephen B. Tucker. Uh, save, uh, sift, sift the meal and save the bran. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what did he say? The Wilson Mabe? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, he said the lyrics were sift the meal and save the bran. There's going to be a wedding in a happy land. In the happy land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's play it. Okay.
Nice banjo harmonies. Thanks. <laughs> not, not a phrase you hear every day. <laughs> uh, either, either because people don't think they're nice or people don't play them often or some combination. But I, I like playing them. <laughs> yeah. I like harmonies. Yeah. There's a time and a place for them. Yeah. Again. Yeah, I mean, no one complains when there's harmonies in twin fiddling. I know. <laughs> so it's unfair. Like, why should the fiddles get to do all the harmonies? Yeah. I don't think the banjo players really be supposed to be playing all the notes anyway. <laughs> I think. <laughs> there's styles, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, those three finger, the old three finger banjo players played every single note and more. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if you've, do you listen to Corn Potato String Band at all? Mm-mm, I don't know them. Um, Aaron Jonah Lewis, he's in Detroit. That name is ringing a bell. But he plays, uh, he plays like a lot of rags and stuff. Okay. And a lot of that sort of, you know, early jazz crossover with old time stuff. Um, he's a really amazing fiddler. Oh, are they um, young, like a young trio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen... He has a really yes. big beard. Yep, that's the guy. Yeah. Yeah, good. good yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Great band. Yeah. He's quite a banjo player. He never yeah. plays banjo in that band, but I've heard him do it. Mm, cool. It's amazing. Cool. Uh, we have one left. Um, thanks so much for being on my show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Taking me so into fun. your... Music garage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is welcome to come hang out in my music garage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Well, um, you want to just, yeah, plug. You wanted to plug the Portland. Oh, I feel like I got to gathering. do that. Like, I got a pretty good plug in. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So everyone, make make the pilgrimage. Portland Old Time Gathering. Do you ever go to, like, uh, Clifftop or any of the other ones out, out east? Yeah. I've been to Clifftop a couple times, um, and I loved it and was also completely overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I can't go very often or I'll probably lose my mind. Yeah. Um, but, yes. It's pretty amazing. Uh, is it hard to get out there from here? It is really hard. I mean, it's not well, near any airports, is it? No. It, it, it takes a lot of coordinating because, yeah, you have to get yourself there. Yeah. And you have to like figure out how you're gonna camp. Yeah. You know, like you can't fly with all your camping. Right. Stuff, so I can't even remember. I know some Portland people come out. I know. Yeah, Joel, people figure it out. I mean, Joel you know. Joel came out. Joel, yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, usually some some awesome like East Coaster like hooks you up with camping gear. I think yeah. is what happens. But. Yeah. Fortunately, there are a lot of hospitable people with resources and yeah. people who live close enough that they, I mean, there's a, do you know Hillary Burhans at all? Mm -mm. She like basically runs like a four donation restaurant at Clifftop, oh, like cool. in the woods. Wow. <laughs> people That's go awesome. there and not expected to pay anything and just eat a meal every day. So yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool scene. I can yeah. see why. Yeah, there's all sorts of like old time players, and I always forget that there. You know, for every player who makes a point to go to Clifftop for every year, there's got to be a bunch of other players who are like, oh no, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many people at Clifftop. Just think, like, there's so many old time musicians. That yeah, 
<laughs> that's not everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. But we're not talking about Clifftop. We're talking about Portland <laughs> all-time gathering. Everyone, check it out. Um, let's end with another Melvin Wine tune. Yeah. Do you want me to start it again? Yes, Do you want some potatoes?
Thanks for listening, friends. I have a few announcements to make before I sign off. First, I'm teaching a banjo workshop at Black Creek Fiddler's Reunion this Memorial Day in Altamont, New York. I'll be doing a demonstration and lesson on pitchfork banjo, my special three-finger melodic claw hammer style. If you want to take your banjo playing to the next level, I highly recommend checking it out. And this isn't just some wacky thing I invented. I mean, it is, but I've met other people who've independently invented the same or at least similar techniques, uh, Nils Boniface and Sam Stallings, for example. Which is to say, I think the folk process is at work. Clawhammer technique is evolving. If you want to hop on board, this is a great way to do it. Playing melodies on the banjo with traditional clawhammer technique is a lot of work for sometimes not a lot of payoff, but pitchfork is very logical. It'll allow you to catch more notes in the moment and play more spontaneously and creatively. It also simplifies the shapes when you're playing up the neck. I'm thinking about teaching my version of Mac Blaylock's Farewell Tryon, or maybe Magnolia One Step from the Nation Brothers. Uh, maybe I'll just do a performance and let you all vote on which tune you want to learn. Anyway, I hope to see some of you there. But if you don't care about melodic banjo playing, which is totally valid, <laughs> you should still come to Black Creek Fiddler's Reunion. It's super cheap, the grounds are beautiful, and there's a lot of cool barns and stages and other buildings that you can jam in if it rains. I went for the first time last year, and I loved it. That's where I recorded my episodes with Deb Justice, Bach Bowie, and Jake Blunt, so obviously I had a great time. And I plan on recording some more Get Up in the Cool episodes there. I haven't figured out who yet, but there's a good chance that at least one episode will be live. So all that's to say, Black Creek is going to be a party. You really should come. If you want to support Get Up in the Cool financially, that's really thoughtful of you, and you're probably a good person. Here's how to do it. Go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the Patreon button. Patreon is a crowdfunding site that lets you sign up to support artists on a regular basis. This is how podcasters and YouTubers and bloggers and other artists who regularly create content get paid. When you go to my Patreon page, you can choose how much money you want to give me for every episode, and each level has a corresponding reward. Our most popular reward is access to the weekly bonus track, which means access to every bonus track that's been released so far. Chip in a little more, and I'll give you MP3s of the tunes from every episode, so you can build up your old-time playlists. Think of it like an old-time CSA. You're basically signing up to buy an EP every week. I'm not sure why that club isn't bigger than it is. You basically get like 300 new old-time source recordings a year. In a few years, that could be like a significant resource in the old-time community. Just something to think about. All right, that's enough for now. Come back next week for more Get Up in the Cool.